Welcome to the podcast. Every week I'll share leadership thoughts, books I'm reading, or tools I'm using to teach leadership skills. I believe everyone has influence. Every family, school, church, city, country is determined by its capacity for effective leadership. So let's jump in. Hey, welcome to the Leadership Podcast. I'm going to spend the next two sessions reminding you of a resource that has been one of my favorites this summer. I've been chewing on it so, so much because it has implications, as most of us think about when we think about resources and thoughts. It has implications on my life, but it has implications on so many people around me and upon the organization I'm a part of. Uh, So let me delve into this. If I don't get through it all again, I'm going to do it as a part two next time on the Leadership Podcast. But one of the most impactful books that that I meditated upon, really, just really thought through this summer, was a book last year came out called Range by David Epstein. And uh, Epstein delves into his own research and uh, many examples from history that even though our world is so often about specialization, the actuality is generalists are going to flourish in this world. Now, as leaders, we often you know, applaud people for their diligence, intensity, and efficiency uh, in detail and such. We rely on people who have an attention to detail. But that misses the fact that in in, in an era where specialists are indeed valuable, it is more important that early in your career in particular, you diversify your interests and skill sets, your knowledge base. Uh, And so here are a couple of conclusions from the book. I just want to summarize these conclusions from the book that speak into, uh, I know my life, Actually, it was affirming, too. I will say this. It was affirming to me. Here's number one. The idea that if you get a, quote, head start in one field, that will make you more successful is not true. Epstein opens his book using the example of Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, as many of you know, held his first golf club when he was a year and a half old. And his dad, Earl, raised him to be a golfing android. I mean, he was a golfing phenom. He contrasts Tiger Woods' upbringing to Roger Federer, who, as he was growing up, the great tennis champion, uh, anything with a ball, he sampled. He, He played about any sport that had to do with a ball. His parents encouraged that. And he settled on tennis when he was a teenager and eventually became, as of this recording, uh, a 20-time Grand Slam winner, the all-time leader. Um, And so as a result, Tiger Woods' life spawned this whole cottage industry of books about parenting and, and making sure your kid specializes earlier. As much as anything, I can tell you that when Tiger Woods won the Masters in 1997, uh, I, because my son was was uh, seven years old at the time, we were in the midst of youth sports, I saw an immediate shift. An immediate shift to people wanting to be the next Earl Woods, people wanting their child to specialize. And um, 
And hence, this comes out of this head start idea. Now, it takes work, right, to be great at anything. Tiger Woods and Roger Federer were both very intentional in their practice, uh, very much applied best-known methods at the time, become champions. But the greatest creators and innovators of the world actually are diverse early on. They become specialists later in life, but almost all great innovators had these concurrent interests in fields that did not seem to be related. People who specialize early might have an advantage at the beginning of their career, but these late specialists typically find employment and effectiveness that is a much better match for their skills and abilities. Hi, what he calls hyper-specialists are, are more likely to be overconfident in their abilities, and that leads to a narrowing of their potential. It, it leads to dangerous blind spots and mistakes. The, uh, Epstein says that the most successful experts actually belong to the wider world. He predicts in the book that in simplicity, the cure for cancer someday could very likely come from a person who is a chef or a baker. In other words, the greatest solutions creatively come from people who have these broad awarenesses. Now, why do I think this is important? For those of you who are leaders in communication, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to diversify your interests. I, I can only say this from a standpoint of it's helped me. I have, as my wife will tell you, as broad a palette of interests as anyone I know. I mean, I, 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 there's no genre of music uh, except rap, probably, that I don't love. Like, I love classical. I love country music, some, some kinds. I love classic rock and roll. Um, you know, just, I, 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 a lot of times when I'm writing a message, I'm listening to Bach or Beethoven. Um, I just, this, the excellence of it. There's that. I mean, I'm not a musician, but I have that, that mathematical, the, the, the awe of music from a mathematical standpoint and from an art standpoint. Many of you know I love movies. I love the art of movie making. I look, I, I, I watch a movie and I see the artifacts in every scene and the design and the color in every scene. Uh, those of you who will bear with me know that I can tell you why yellow is a significant color in Jaws. It's always a sign of caution. I love sharks. I love animals. If you follow my Instagram page, I mean, I got lions and tigers and bears. That's really what makes up so much of what I follow on Instagram I love dogs, uh, as contrary to popular opinion. I love cats. I just the fascination of nature. I follow all these shark sites and, um, and people who dive with sharks for a living. But, you know, as, as, as I don't even need to say, I love sports. I love everything about it, the training, the rigor, the challenge. Uh, I love art. Uh, um, I have a, basically a huge art studio in my basement where I... I build miniature stuff. I've built a miniature Amity Island. I've built a miniature Christmas thing for our 
family that is are all the houses we've lived in with the Christmas movie houses of Home Alone and Christmas Vacation and Christmas Story. I mean, I'm just telling you this to only say that for me, being able to draw from various non-related resources, especially if you're in communication forms of leadership, is very helpful. Very helpful. And uh, this diverse palette of interests creates creativity. It creates, as we bring, as we merge these fields, we begin to see layers of commonality that, that catalyze our brains into creative solutions. And uh, so I can't emphasize enough, for me, how helpful it was that, that this research draw David, drew David Epstein to the conclusion that if you want to be an expert, actually belong to a wider field. Here's the second one. The second conclusion, and uh, this will be our final one today, is specialists are more effective in what he calls kind domains that have specific rules, but what they term wicked domains that are more ambiguous require a lot more mental flexibility. Uh, he cites this grand chess grandmaster named Susan Polger, who began her training in early childhood, and she took a test, and she had to identify all the pieces on a chessboard from memory. She flawlessly produced pieces uh, set up in an amazing accuracy, but she couldn't reproduce the configuration when pieces were randomly arranged. She could reproduce what had been set up, but those that had been randomly arranged, she couldn't reproduce that. This is what's called a kind domain. Golf and chess are kind domains. They depend upon repetition and repetition and repetition. So it's no mystery that Tiger Woods' early training set him up well for what is termed a kind domain, just the repetition, the mechanized process of swinging a golf club. You want the action reproduced. If you learn to shank a ball 200 yards every time, you're going to be a great golfer because you know you're going to shank it 200 yards every time. But certain areas of expertise are are, uh, wicked domains that require abstract thought. And this is modern life's complexity. When you have a large conceptual framework, you can look at a complex organization and it gives you the proper structure for linking knowledge that doesn't seem to be connected. It gives you cognitive flexibility that helps in problem solving. So for example, schools try to get more and more students to choose their areas of expertise early in their training even though three-fourths of United States college graduates are, get into careers that are totally unrelated uh, to their academic major. And so early specialization equips students with very few of the conceptual thinking skills they could apply across all kinds of disciplines. But now companies know that outsourcing tasks of repetition 
to machines, to computers, uh, can take care of so much of that, the ability for human cognitive creativity is in high demand. What am I saying here? The world is not golf. The world is tennis. Tennis is more of a wicked domain. It requires this reactive strategy. Um, it, is, it, is some, it is somewhat like chess, but it is reactive. And so it moves more to the center or the right of this flexibility demand. And life is like that. So here is the application for you as a leader and for me as a leader, that life, especially leading complex organizations, which by the way, if you have more than three people, that's a complex organization, requires dexterity of thought, the ability to be flexible, and the ability to say, and I'm quoting now from um, another resource um, that speaks of this, and, and that is the Medici effect. It requires thought that architects in sub-Saharan Africa took when they looked at ant colonies that dug holes in the ground and tunnels in the ground and in sub-Saharan Africa kept their tunnels at 72 degrees by using water flow and the air that flowed over the water to cool their tunnels and how architects took that and applied that to building buildings in sub-Saharan Africa without air conditioning that stayed at 72 degrees. It requires the kind of thought that uh, Franz Johansson in the Medici Effect says is scientists taking a certain kind of spider's web and mixing it, I'm using a colloquial term here when I say mixing it, with a certain kind of goat's milk to produce a unique silk. This is the world we live in. It requires a broad array of quote-unquote expertise areas of interest and knowledge, because we don't live in a kind world of absolute predictability. We live in a, quote-unquote, wicked domain that requires the ability to deal with ambiguity and the, and the ability to show mental dexterity and breadth. Until next time on The Leadership Podcast, this is Charlie Knight. Thanks for listening. Tune in every week as we continue learning and growing in faith, in life, and leadership. And if this has been helpful to you, subscribe and spread the word. And I will talk to you next week.